Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about heavy-duty parts that keeps trucks and trailers on the road longer while lowering costs per month. In December of 2022, the EPA made an announcement that they had set their standards for heavy-duty vehicles for the 2027 year. Now, we've known for some time that these regulations were coming, and now that they're here and we have a little bit more insight into what they are, we now are starting to understand exactly how it's going to impact the trucking industry, and by extension, that impacts people who sell replacement parts, service and who supply commodities, things like engine oil. In this episode, I've assembled three subject matter experts to talk about some of these implications. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of the truck manufacturers. We're going to talk about it from the perspective of the diesel emission system. And we're going to talk about how this is influencing a new standard in engine oil. This is a packed episode with so much good information. So to start, let me introduce my first subject matter expert, a returning guest on the show. Hi, I'm John Adabu with Northwest Heavy Duty, co-founder of a manufacturing rep agency that's based out in the Seattle area. We're talking about regulations, John, and we're talking about the impact that this has on the trucking industry. And we had some questions for you that I'm curious about. We heard of the announcement of the targets for 2027 with the EPA to further reduce emissions on trucks. You work pretty closely with the OEM, so you probably have some insight into how that impacts uh, the manufacturing of trucks and what that's going to look like for the trucking industry. So can you explain exactly what the target is for this 2027 EPA regulation change? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. But I can hit three uh, key highlights for you, Jamie. And and for your audience. And I'd like to start off by saying this is a different type of legislation or a different uh, way of going about doing a regulation because you can't think of it as just a specific target, like a target for NOx or a target for particulate. That's what we're familiar with based on prior regulatory cycles. This time it's a little bit more complex. It's always a little bit more complex, but I'd like to unpack that for you a little bit. First of all, There is going to be a new target for NOx, and that's what grabs the headlines. Right now, you're allowed 0.2 grams of NOx per brake horsepower hour. In 2027, there will be a new objective for tailpipe emissions. It concerns NOx, and it will reduce the amount of NOx permitted from 0.2 grams per brake horsepower hour down to 0.035. Okay, that's almost a 90% reduction, right? But it's for it's per brake horsepower hour, and there are specific duty cycles 
where this goes into effect. It's not a broad brush requirement over all operating conditions. In fact, the primary impact is going to be on engine startup. Today, you have an exemption. The system is cold. The catalytic converter is not operating at peak efficiency. So you're allowed to uh, exceed the, the threshold that you have when you're moving down the highway and the system is operating at peak efficiency. That uh, deviation, if you will, is going to be eliminated. And you are now required to have a clean system with respect to NOx when, when you have vehicle startup. To do that, you're going to have to have a, a heating system in place. And we're already becoming familiar with this heating system because although the federal requirement is uh, goes into effect in 2027, the state of California's requirement goes into effect in 2024. Now, their requirement is not quite as stringent. They're doing a 75% reduction going from 0.2 grams to 0.05 grams, but they're doing it three years earlier than the federal regulation. And to meet that, the equipment will have to have a 48-volt heating system to preheat the catalytic converter. But here's where this new regulation that was published in December is a, a bigger deal, right? The engines really aren't going to change that much because of this NOx. You're not going to see anything uh, elaborate in terms of the, the 13, 15 liter diesel engines that are on the road today. What you're going to see is two big things that are happening behind the scenes. One is technological and the other is administrative. Technologically, the OBD requirements get a lot tougher. You can't, and I'm not going to be able to unpack it here, and I think there's other people that can do it better than I would, but at the end of the day, when you look at the uh, OBD requirements, OBD being onboard diagnostics, think of them as becoming much more aggressive, right? If you're sampling the system on an hourly basis, Maybe you're doing it multiple times per hour. If you're only doing it during steady state operation, now you're doing it during startup, shutdown, et cetera, et cetera. You are going to be analyzing the efficacy and the reliability of your system much more often. Why is that important? It's important because the possibility of false fails is going to jump dramatically. If you're checking your system, you're going to more frequently, you're going to find problems more frequently. Problems require repair, taking a vehicle out of service, going through that whole process. It's too early to say uh, what the implications of this. If you're a vehicle OEM, obviously you're concerned with making these systems as robust as possible so you don't get the false fails. That's the way you ensure customer satisfaction. But if you're going to make the systems more robust, and now we're talking about sensors and electronic control systems, you're making them more expensive. So at some point, there becomes a trade-off. You can't just keep ramping up the cost of these systems. At some point, you got to release the product and live with its capabilities. Well, we don't know yet what those are, Jamie. It just seems like OBD is going to make the, the potential for false fails increase. The third thing, and then I'll, I'll hand it back to you, but it's big, is warranty. Right now, the regulations require, if I'm correct in my understanding, 
that the the warranty on the emission system is maintained for 100,000 miles. That might have originated from passenger car requirements, like truck requirements, and 100,000 miles pretty much covers the, maybe not the useful life of the vehicle, but a, a good chunk of it, right? Not the case with commercial vehicles. In many, many applications, 100,000 miles is, you know, that that's in the first year. I don't normally like to stop a guest mid-sentence like we did here, but um, as John was talking about the the implications of warranty, it made me think of a conversation I had with Steve Hoke, president of Diesel Emission Service, and uh, they sell the Redline Emissions product brand of after-treatment replacement parts. It made me think of some of his comments back in January when we were at HDAW. I want you to just listen into what Steve had to say specifically about why this change in warranty could be a good thing for the owners of vehicles. So just listen to what Steve had to say. What's happening in 2027 is they're they're basically making the manufacturers clean up a little bit more on the knock side. So it'll basically be a dual SER system. But the big advantage for the truck owner is the EPA is mandating that the OEM manufacturers extend the warranties on their after treatment or their emission systems to where five years down the road, they're still compliant or they can be replaced under warranty, which for the for the trucker, that's a fantastic thing or for the fleet themselves. Okay, let's get back to what John was saying about how this is going to impact manufacturers and of course, vehicle owners. If, and as again, my understanding is these regulations extend the warranty period to 300,000 miles, 400,000, 500,000, again, what are the OEMs going to do to make the systems now more robust than they are today? And how much are they going to charge for them? And finally, what do we do? What choices do we make when our vehicle is under warranty versus not under warranty? Where do we take our vehicles when they're under warranty? We take them back to the dealership. If they're out of warranty, we have some more flexibility where we go, and often cost is a huge driver. It seems like if you're going to put a longer warranty on the emissions system, that is going to drive more repair business back to the dealership for a longer period of time. And that is something that our industry needs to contemplate and prepare for. It was really great talking to John about this. He's such a wealth of information, and it was so great to have John back on the podcast. As I was putting this episode together and and the crew at the Heavy Duty Parts Report were looking at this subject, again, we look back to some of the conversations we had not that long ago at HDAW, and Steve Hoke had a good point. As him and I were talking at HDAW, I make the point that there is an overall feeling towards diesel emission systems. Most owners, they hate them. They, they don't like the systems. Um, they, they just see it as added cost. And Steve and I were talking about that, and I think it's relevant to this conversation because anytime these regulations have changed in the past, it historically hasn't been really a good thing for the bottom line of the trucking industry. Maybe it's good for reducing pollution, maybe it's good for humanity as a whole, but for trucking outfits, it seems to just be added cost. So uh, listen in to Steve and I as we talk about that specifically, because I think it is an important piece to the puzzle. Obviously, these new regulations are going to change what is going to be on trucks from 2027 on. 
and that has a direct implication on maintenance and repair of those vehicles. So listen into Steve and I's conversation. When I talk about diesel emission systems, you know, publicly, we always get a lot of comments and feedback from people. A lot of drivers, you know, they, they really hate the systems. Um, and I know that as someone, like I, when I sold heavy-duty parts, I worked for a company that really didn't even want to do diesel emission stuff. They just, they just kind of wanted to almost ignore it. So what challenges are people having on the aftermarket side that you've observed kind of historically? And then let's talk a little bit about where that might take us as these new regulations come into effect. Yeah, so when you have a, a class of vehicle that you've run for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, um, and never had specific segments of your engine other than adjust the valves or change your air cleaner or service points, change how you operate your fleet, um, not only in downtime, but in costs, um, truckers get upset, fleets get upset. It's, it keeps driving more um, cost to every mile that they drive. Um, I think the biggest thing that we see is a lot of the maintenance, uh, we always talk about this, the maintenance with the OEMs tell people are like the most perfect conditions, and we all know that real world isn't a perfect condition. You know, from the diesel particulate filter side, uh, a DPF is basically, um, um, it catches soot, catches a particulate matter, but it's it's done by volumetric efficiency. So you have a round can, and as you fill it with ash, so all the... the um, burnt or oxidized uh, soot that's now ash, it takes away the volumetric efficiency, creates more back pressure, which then start wearing on all those other components. The VGT turbos don't like it. The valve trains don't like it. The valve guys don't like it. So everybody blames the DPF, but because fleets were led to believe that they could go 250, 300,000 plus miles before servicing them, truthfully, that was that was not good on the OEM's part. They should have the diesel particulate filters, just like an oil filter, costs a lot more, but it is a serviceable item that that the fleets themselves should figure out what is their best um, number, 50,000, 75,000, or 100,000 mile uh, service interval, and, and, and then stick with that. Whether we like it or not, changes are happening to the commercial trucking industry. They are motivated by that push to a zero emissions world. It's impacting the way ICE vehicles are going to be manufactured from 2027 and beyond. And every time a change like that is made, it doesn't just impact one system, it often impacts many systems. And as people who sell parts and service, we need to understand what those changes are. After the break, we're going to talk to a subject matter expert who sells oil. And because of these EPA changes uh, in 2027, there has been a new standard in engine oil that has been brought forward. After the break, we're going to learn all about that new standard and you're going to find out everything you need to know. We'll be right back. Don't have a heavy-duty part number and need to look up a part? Go to parts.diesellaptops.com or download the app on Apple or Android to create your free account. Looking for high-quality fuel injection for heavy-duty applications? Having one supplier for fuel injection allows you to better serve customers by providing them with a complete line, which increases your sales and profitability. Learn more at ambacinternational.com slash aftermarket. Parts availability and quality have a big influence on fleets and owner-operators' total cost of operation. If they can't find a part, it means more downtime. If they install a low-quality part and it fails, it means even more costs, like tow bills, hotels, meals for the driver, and lost revenue. That's why we recommend Sampa. They manufacture a wide range of advanced parts for commercial vehicles. 
Their website has an intelligent product search engine and broad coverage of suspension, steering, and fifth wheel components. Expect more. Expect Sampa. Visit Sampa.com today. We're back from our break. And before the break, we were talking about the EPA changes that are coming in 2027, how they impact trucks and manufacturers of those trucks, how it's going to impact the diesel emission system. And this also is impacting the trucking industry as a whole, because whether you own the trucks or you fix and repair them or supply parts, all of these changes impact you directly. One change that is going to come because of these EPA regulations is a new standard in engine oil. And while I was at TMC, I had a chance to talk to a subject matter expert, and I wanted to share that conversation with you now. I'm Daryl Perficati, Senior Technical Advisor for OEM and Automotive for HF Sinclair, representing the Petro-Canada Lubricants Brands. Okay, Daryl, thank you uh, so much for the opportunity to come and, and talk to you about uh, some, some stuff that's happening in the industry that's, that's new. Uh, we're here at TMC at the annual meeting in Orlando, Florida. Daryl, can you tell me what is PC-12? So PC-12 is the next generation of heavy-duty engine oils. Uh, it is the 12th generation since API has started to develop heavy-duty engine oils, and this represents the next and latest generation. Okay, so why is it coming out now? What, what was motivating that? Like, why is the timing now important? So the timing of any category can be based on a number of factors. Uh, it, they can be from hardware changes uh, or other advances in industry. Um, often, environmental regulations come into play. So the EPA and CARB have come out with regulations for the next generation of GHG emissions, and those come into effect in 2027. Uh, these heavy-duty engine oil categories take a while to develop, so we're starting now to implement on January 1st, 2027. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, and certainly with those announcement of those EPA regulations, we knew for a while that they were coming. Uh, as it happened in the past when the EPA put out different regulations, it changed the technology on trucks. I think back to 2007 and 2010 with diesel emission systems and things like that. Um, how is this change in PC-12 going to impact heavy-duty lubricants specifically? Well, with any update to whether uh, whether it be an environmental regulation, a government regulation, hardware, um, technology advances. So we're looking to improve not only emissions, but while we're doing that, we're improving the durability of, of the products that are being released that people are using at the end of the day, um, as well as improvements in some standard performance characteristics while we're generating uh, compliance to the future regulations. Okay, that makes sense. Um, when it comes to the, these changes, I remember when I was selling parts uh, back in, I think it was 2017, that was the last change, is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay, and I remember that reverse compatibility was a big conversation. When I'd go out into the you know, field, I'd talk to fleets and talk to repair shops, say, hey, look, this change is coming. Uh, what do you need to know? So what do we need to know about reverse compatibility? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was a big deal with the last category implementation. There was two separate categories. Um, and it's going to occur again as we move forward. Uh, OEMs are developing new engines, and that our engine architecture is not always compatible with current technology. So they're designed specifically for lower uh, HTHS oils, and that's the second category. Okay. That's going to continue as we move along in the future. Those engines are specifically designed to take advantage of fuel efficiencies and uh, and the oils are then designed specifically 
for that architecture. Unfortunately, the VSCA metrics don't work out and they're not compatible with each other. Oh, okay. So um, if you're in a situation where you have a mixed fleet and you've got several different types of trucks, different engines, you're now going to have to manage those based on engine type. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, and, and it's been going on since the last category. Right. There have been um, some OEMs that recommend the FA4 type oils. That's going to continue in the future where OEMs will develop engines and the architecture within that engines will be specific to CK4, FA4 as it is today, or the new proposed categories that will come out in 2027, there will be two categories based on the engine architecture designed by the OEMs themselves. So immediately I'm thinking about a situation where maybe you're a, a large fleet and you have uh, vehicles going in a lot of different environments. Maybe you even work in different vocations. Or if you're a repair shop and you don't really know whose truck you're going to see next. How is these uh, changes to these standards going to impact the performance of the engines? Like, What do repair technicians and, and shops need to know about that? So if you're running a shop or you own a f you're operating a fleet, you, you have to understand there's two different oils that are going to be in the proposed category. And it's, the first step is always to find out the OEM or the make of the engine and determine what oil is recommended for that engine. When it comes to performance of the oil itself, it's going to be a step forward. There's going to be a greater level of durability. There's going to be a better level of uh, wear protection. Uh, fuel efficiency is always uh, at the fore uh, forefront and uh, what we're looking at. And all of these things help meet the, the government regulations. You have to understand that. Uh, speaking of, of efficiencies and gains, I think um, you know the, the maybe the heart and soul of these changes to regulations is to try to make things more sustainable, to to make the performance better um, over time. So, what kinds of performance gains, what kinds of maybe fuel efficiency or move towards more sustainability are we going to see with this new proposed standard? The new standard's going to address greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. When it comes to sustainability and efficiencies in a fleet, we can look to other things that are outside of the standard. So you have the performance benefit of the standard, but when you're managing your oil program within a fleet or within a shop, we can look at things like extending oil drains. So fewer oil changes over a million kilometers, you may have three or four oil changes fewer if you are, have a program in place to extend your oil drain intervals. That helps reduce the amount of overall oil that you use, that reduces the amount of waste that you use, things like oil filters that trap oil, fewer of those need to be replaced. All of those type of efforts help in the overall sustainability. And then when it comes to fuel efficiency, we're used to seeing things like skirting and aerodynamics and the hardware on a truck. When we're looking at engine oils, the performance standard will help with the efficiencies. We at Petro-Canada Lubricants like to look at the powertrain as a whole. Every part of that powertrain can help with fuel efficiencies. You get the right gear oil, the right transmission oil, the right engine oil. All will help in um, making the most, the most optimized usage of the system as a whole. Yeah. And that will become a much more efficient unit that will help with the fuel efficiency in an overall sense. Well, we've put the behind us the days where you could just run one oil. There's a little bit more complexity to it. Um, if people are wanting to learn more, if they want to get some assistance in, in specking things correctly or, or understanding that, what's the best way of interacting with your organization? We have a very large field support group that does this type of work day in and day out. Um, you can contact your 
local rep that will put you in touch with a technical advisor such as myself or one of my many colleagues uh, within our organization. They'll help you walk you through not only the correct oil for your engine, but the correct oil for your transmission, the correct oil for your gears, and help set you up on something like a used oil analysis program. Mm -hmm. If you think of uh, engine as the heart of a unit, then the oil is like the blood. Right, right. And a used oil analysis program monitors that. It's kind of preventative medicine. And the more of that type of work we can do, the more we can look at each unit and optimize that unit from not only the performance of the unit, but for extending oil drains and just maintenance and health of the unit. But certainly all of our field tech operatives are uh, very much expertise experts in this type of work. Daryl, thank you so much for taking some time. Uh, it's been a busy show, and I really appreciate you spending some time with me and educating us about PC12 and the implications it's going to have on the trucking industry. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that we provided you with uh, educational content that you can use to help you better prepare for the changes that are coming, whether you sell parts, whether you're in service or you own vehicles. All of these regulation changes have an impact on the way that we're going to do business. And as we move towards this zero emission world where ICE vehicles are uh, slowly but surely eliminated or at least modified heavily, uh, this has a big impact on us. And we need to keep talking about it. We need to keep getting this, these subject matter experts to come and provide us with information. So I hope you took value from today's episode. If you are finding value from listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report, make sure you give us a follow. You can do this in three ways. One, you can head over to heavydutypartsreport.com, hit the follow button. That's going to sign you up to our weekly email so you never miss out on any content. If you like to listen to the episodes, then you can do so wherever you get your podcasts and follow for free. And if you like to watch the video version, go over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button. Also, our sponsors, without them, we wouldn't be able to produce the show. So take some time to click those links and check out our sponsors. Thank you again for listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. And as always, be heavy duty. Thank you for watching this video. Click here to subscribe to the Heavy Duty Parts Report YouTube channel and click here to watch another great episode. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.